First Bible reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Thanks, Jeff. I'm going to invite Matthew now to, to come forward and to uh, bring God's word. Let us pray, everyone. Well, it's just lovely, Father, to be together and uh, to have this time. We do want to be people who do sit at the feet of Jesus with his word open and uh, his word being our great guide and pathway and lamp for our feet. Thank you, Lord, for the things that we've been singing about today, for our prayers and uh, things we've been learning thus far. We pray it might please you, Lord, to speak to all of our hearts as we seek to be your people, desiring to make disciples of Jesus we pray in his name. Amen. One of the things that uh, we do as a family throughout the week is tune into a program called My Kitchen's Rules. Do you have that sort of thing down here in Tasmania? I had, a thought, had that feeling. Um, well, you know the story probably, but uh, basically uh, you have um, couples uh, going into the kitchen and uh, they have to prepare a three-course meal for other contestants and, of course, some experts in food, cuisine. And, of course, the drama is you go to the kitchen and uh, there's stress going on there. Uh, perhaps there, a disaster is about to come out from there. 
Uh, it makes great viewing, but then of course in the, uh, around the table, uh, all the couples are there and the judges, and they're commenting to one another, thinking to themselves, well, what um, happens if the dishes don't work out? And what happens if what's on that menu doesn't actually turn out to be what they produce? They're enjoying friendly banter and they're just conversing with one another, wondering how it, was, how it is going to go for the couple in the kitchen. All is calm, all is intriguing, whereas the kitchen is a challenge and often very intense. And in this section of Luke's Gospel, there is quite a contrast between these two women. One who seems very calm and conversing, listening at the feet of Jesus to the expert in life, and the other who's basically frantic and frazzled the My Kitchen rule in her home. The setting for this account is that Jesus is on a six-month journey. Uh, he's on, his road, on the road to Jerusalem and he's on a divine timetable. He's going to arrive in Jerusalem where he will give his life to death on a cross for the sins of the world. And so in light of that sort of big uh, event, that big backdrop, if you like, these five verses might kind of feel a, a little bit of a per periphery to that great task, that great mission. But I do want to remind you this morning, as periphery that this account might just seem to us, as opposed to that great backdrop that I was just sort of mentioning, everything written and everything included by the biblical authors is full of purpose and full of an aim that the writer has under the inspiration of God's spirit. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you will note that uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan has just taken place. Um, we learn about being a follower of Jesus, what that means. It means being a, one who loves your neighbour as you do yourself, serving the, the one in need. And then directly after this account of the Martha and Mary episode, being a follower of Jesus, what does it mean? Well, it means depending on a good and gracious God through an active prayer life. But here we are at the home of Martha and Mary and uh, where we learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus by making sure our priority isn't misplaced. Although the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head, we see him seeking some hospitality. So if you'd like to just turn your eyes to, not the hillside, but to um, verse 38 with me. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, it could be that this is a lunch moment, or it could be late in the day, but here we have the Lord taking a detour to a village, which is probably Bethany, and it's a three and a half kilometres away from where he's really heading to, his destination, Jerusalem. The expected Jewish way was to show hospitality, and here is Martha, the dutiful hostess, and she has a sister called Mary who we read in verse 39, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Uh, it's not my custom in sermons to sort of point out things in the original text, but I think it's important at this note to sort of indicate to you that there is actually a word that's not translated in a number of translations, and it's the word also. It's a little word there that hasn't, some of the translations do have it. 
So really this verse, I believe, strictly should read this way, verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So we need to realise, I believe here, that most likely that both the sisters are listening to Jesus. Perhaps Jesus has initially arrived, uh, the sisters have taken up that posture of listening. The question is, how well are they listening? How intently, how focused are they? So look, look at me what happens. Verse uh, 40, Martha's many things. Verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, so she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I mean, at some point, Martha has... It is a case of my kitchen rules. The expectation of being the hostess sees Martha giving her attention not to Jesus' words, but to getting things ready for the guests. Things have to be worked out properly, and there's much, much to do. It seems she is doing this alone, and she points this out to the Lord by stopping what she's doing and coming to Jesus with a kind of suggestion that Jesus, of all people, is insensitive to her predicament. Lord, don't you care? Um, you may remember a story in the disciples when Jesus is sleeping on the boat and the storm is about to engulf them. Lord, don't you care? We all enjoy listening to you, Jesus, Martha's probably saying, but if we all did that, none of the jobs would get done. My sister is lifting a fig to help me. Can't you see that, Lords? How does Jesus answer her? Verse 41, Martha, Martha. I just sort of see Jesus with a kind of a smile on his face, perhaps. <laughs> you are worried. You are upset about many things. Well, we would say to Martha today, she's stressed out. That's our sort of way. You're stressed out, Martha. Uh, Jesus tells Martha, she is distracted. You're distracted, Martha, by the call of the kitchen. And whereas Martha would be saying to Jesus, her sister is distracted by focusing too much on him and his words. Well, who do you think is right? I wonder which of these two women you identify with most. There are many things that have great potential to overwhelm us. And fairly quickly, we sense we are alone in our service. Are you personally listening to the words of Jesus? And has much activity or expectation caused you to have wrong attitudes towards others or even to think that the Lord doesn't care. This is not a passage telling us to stop attending to areas of service or ministry. That's not the point. What it is saying is don't misplace 
the priority of time with Jesus for the sake of many things. This day, about 14 years ago, will go down in history. It was the day that a bloke named Graham Parker matched all the sides of his Rubik's Cube. You see, for Graham, he'd had this Rubik's Cube for 26 years and he persisted with it daily to solve it. And finally, the day came of relief, and jubilation and weeping all merged into one for Graham as he just clicked the last piece into place. And there it was, the six cubed faces of the colours. All his father's days had come at once. Forget all about the socks and the undies and the boxer shorts. Graham had solved his Rubik's Cube. This is what he said. It felt like the cube had taken over my life. As we said to the local newspaper. His wife, Jean, said this, that Graham was obsessed to solve the cube. This is what she said. He would miss important events to stay at home, to try to solve it. He would lie awake at night thinking about it. It was as if it was the third person in our marriage. Well, Graham now suffers from wrists and back injuries from 26 years of twisting the cube. I mean, you have to say that is a slightly misplaced priority. But you know, friends, people do all sorts of activities, even around churches, without really listening to Jesus' words. For 26 years, they may have run some activity so important in their minds, but aren't seeking first in their lives the words of Jesus, aren't sitting at the feet of Jesus. Or worse still, they may never have ever done so. And the sad reality is this can happen Sunday after Sunday after Sunday of being present but misplacing the priority of listening and being distracted and concerned about so many things. But there is, however, a service that the Lord calls us all to do. This is Mary's one thing, verse 42, where he says, uh, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. You may be someone this morning who is quite tired and feeling your age somewhat, and the legs just aren't going at the pace and service that they used to. Regardless of your age, there is still a service for you to give to the Lord, and that is to listen to him. And those of you who are younger, here is a good habit, a service not to neglect for the rest of your life. One thing is necessary. Our service to others, like the Good Samaritan, doesn't mean being so distracted that we ignore the Lord. For you see, you serve others best when you give your priority to the Lord. 
that the words we take in through our ears guide the heart and our hands in service. Mary has chosen literally what it says, the good portion, that is, the right meal. She has made the right choice, the right meal to receive from Jesus. And Jesus says it will not be taken away from her. Working for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't we all need to learn to be more like Mary in a Martha world? To not allow the areas of life to overwhelm us and prioritise time with Jesus. When you spend time reflecting on Jesus' teaching, you receive a meal that is never going to be taken away. When you sit at the Lord's feet, open your Bible, ready to listen, to learn from your master of life. There is no more important meal, no greater thing to be concerned about. So what then are you seeking first? And did you notice that Jesus addresses Martha in that very intimate way? Martha. Martha, it's the double word, isn't it? He doesn't just simply say Martha. It is a form of affection and intimacy for Martha. And those of you who know the Gospel of Luke will know that Jesus gives a grave warning to people on that day of judgment. And he says, when he says, when they say to him, Lord, Lord. And you know what happens, don't you? They just sort of rattle off all the things that they did in his name as though they knew him, as though they have great affection and intimacy for Jesus. And those chilling words that Jesus will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. But here, Jesus knows Martha. And so we see him speaking to her with this sort of intimate way in a sort of gentle rebuke. Martha and Martha, you are worried about so many things. One thing is necessary. Jesus is working towards a divine timetable. There is great urgency and focus. There is something of great importance. He is on the path he is on the destination to the cross, only months to go. And here he is at your place. And he is set on one thing. And it isn't time to care about the dishes, Martha. It isn't time to sort of be fussing about serving in my kitchen rules, because Jesus is here. He's sitting in your lounge room. talking about the kingdom of God, what he's come to do. It's time to press into the kingdom of God. And friends, this day, this time for us is to make sure the kingdom of God is the main business of our lives. A commitment to putting to one side the many things so we are at the feet of Jesus. Just imagine if every one of us as a church every day would sit at Jesus' feet to listen to him. This is for five minutes. 
or 10 minutes, 15 minutes, even longer. When you ponder the lengths that God went to when Jesus arrives at your place, it's time to listen to his words, to seek the kingdom first. If the Spirit of God has brought the life of the Son of God into your home, then that invitation stands today. The opportunity to come and sit and seek first, receive his word. And when it comes to you and receive this meal, it is yours forever. On that final day, when Christ looks at you and he will recognise you, you won't need to say to him, Lord, Lord, look what I did for you. Look how I, look how I ran at church market for 26 years. I did it in your name, Lord. Look how I looked after the, the church roster for 26 years. Put up with all the people. Whatever it is. He will recognise you and he will repeat your name. Graham. Jeff. Jeff. Karina, Karina, Ronald, Ronald, come my beloved, inherit the kingdom which my father has prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For well, you see, it is intimacy that we want and it is intimacy that we need in the presence of Christ. May the Lord Jesus be our obsession today, every day, that we don't give up or become distracted or worried by the many things but to listen at his feet and seek him and his kingdom first. Let us pray. As we've seen this morning, Father, we know that everything in your holy word is written for our learning and teaching in salvation. Now, Father, we pray that as we've considered this morning the importance of the time with Jesus, spending time in his word, may you indeed shape that for us all what things need to change for us, Father, so that we would do this for the rest of our lives. 
And Lord, one day when we are totally in your presence, to hear you, Lord Jesus, saying to us, calling us by our name in that intimate way, inherit the kingdom forever. Being with you always, Lord. Save us from being so overwhelmed by the busyness and distraction that we neglect the priority of being with you. Good for our souls, good for our hearts, good for our churches and people. Have mercy on us, Lord. Forgive us for those times when we have not given you that first priority. Thank you for your generosity and kindness and forgiveness. And so continue to root these things in our hearts, Lord, and shape and change us. And we pray this for the glory of your holy name. Amen.